Hello, Monetization Nation. What would it be like to be making a great living while traveling the world? Michelle Dale was not happy working long hours, stuck in a dead-end job. After returning home from work one night, she approached her front door that had been torn off the hinges. She walked inside her home and discovered that everything was gone, including her birth certificate and utility bills. As if a sign had told Michelle that nothing was keeping her in England, she looked down at the ground to find her passport. Michelle said, the only thing that I had left was something that would allow me to travel. The next day I walked into work and told everybody at work what happened. She said, I'm quitting my job. And she put her house on the market and bought a one-way ticket to Egypt. Michelle Dale is a digital nomad who has unlocked the secrets of this lifestyle of balancing work from home and traveling abroad at the same time. We split this interview into two episodes, and right after this intro, she's going to tell you part one of her story. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Hello, Michelle. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Nice to meet you. Telling us a little bit more about yourself, um, and then maybe you could tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, sure. So I'm Michelle. I'm currently 39 years old. I've got the big four next year. Um, and I've been running my business since 2005. So I started it when I was 24. Um, and I started it really out of a passion for wanting to change my life really dramatically. Um, so I, I basically started life out in England. I had a very standard, normal life, I guess you could say. Um, and then it, it, was, it was getting to the point where I was just feeling really unfulfilled, um, not happy. I was working very long hours. I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do, you know, like go up the career ladder, find a good job, um, you know, get the big house with the gravel driveway and everything. And I did that so fast, you know, when I was so young, I left school at 16 and I really didn't have much to show for it when I left. Um, but I just started working. I just, I just became really good at working and working through jobs and learning. And then one day I was coming home from work and I used to commute like more than an hour every morning and then more than an hour every night. And I got home one, one day to find that my house had been completely robbed. Like totally everything was gone. My front door was off the hinges. Um, and I went into a home office that I had there and somebody had taken all of my personal paperwork, you know, like my birth certificate, my utility bills, everything. It was just gone. And I looked down at the floor and my passport was there. Um, and I don't know, it was just one of those divine moments where I thought to myself, this is a sign. This is a sign. Like I've got nothing keeping me here now. Everything that I've worked for is gone. I hate my mortgage anyway. It's stressful. My job is stressful. I, there's nothing keeping me in England. And the only thing that I have is something that will allow me to travel. So from then, literally the next day, I walked into work. I told everybody what happened. I said, I'm quitting my job. Um, I went down and put my house on the market to sell it. And I went to the travel agent and I booked a ticket, a one-way ticket to Egypt for exactly three months 
later from that date. And um, I arrived in Egypt and, and never looked back. You mentioned your business model. Tell us a little bit more about your business model. Okay, so my business model really is, the, it's got two parts to it really, but the services side of things is to really help entrepreneurs, people who want to work from home, people who want to grow and build their businesses to give them that support that they need because everybody needs the support to give them that support they need without the restrictions of having to hire employees um, or without the restrictions of being tied down to like, once you hire this person, you're stuck, um, that type of thing. I wanted to also you know, as it grew and evolved, I wanted to also be able to help and support people and guide and advise people. You know, I know what it's like starting a business. And if you don't have someone there helping you, giving you advice, telling you what to do, someone to bounce ideas off of, it, it can also be quite stressful. So I wanted to also be somebody that not only understands a client's business, knows, knows about the client's business, knows what they need, but also can help them grow and evolve and pivot if they need to. Um, so the model behind the business is that you get one person who is technically me or any other person that I train, who is there to assist you, support you, guide you, take care of the team, take care of the details. So you don't sweat the small stuff, give you that time to work on your business and not in your business while you have someone else that you trust around you that knows that they've got your best interests at heart as well. And that's what it became. It's a very different, it's, it's kind of like a combination of having um, the workforce or the power of a, an agency or a larger company behind you, but having the personal service and, and care and attention to detail of, of the individuals that you work with as well. So that's what it kind of became. And now it's focused entirely on digital operations. So I work specifically with people who want to have a digital type of business, whether that's digital services like consulting, coaching, or selling digital programs or, or anything like that. Um, because that's just how I've grown. I've, I've worked completely online exclusively the whole time. Um, so I know a lot about this kind of environment and also the challenges that, uh, that people face working online. And how many virtual assistants do you have on your team now? It varies now because I'm stepping back a lot from the services side of things and I've moved more into the coaching and the digital programs. So it can vary between like 10 and 15 now on my team. Okay. Very nice. You, you talk about this program that you launched. So for the people listening and watching, can you tell us a little bit more about the program? It was a digital course for virtual assistants. Is that correct? Yeah, it was just basically a start to finish digital course for how to set up your, it, it was what I did basically from start to finish, how to set up the business, how to put yourself online, how to start getting your clients, how to start working with the clients, how to uh, start getting recurring income from the clients. And it was just one of those courses. And really for the, the first course, I, I intended to give it away like for free. I didn't intend um, to make any money from it. And it just happened or turned out that, that I was looking at Yara Starek stuff and he had this blog masterminds. And I thought to myself, well, I, I really respect this guy and I'm, I'm gonna follow him and take that. So although I built the service side of things completely solo when I went into developing courses and programs I decided to actually learn from somebody who'd done it themselves so I created a blog and I got about 500 subscribers through just doing daily YouTube videos I put a lot of work into that 
to go from nothing to 500 subscribers in like three months. And, and then I put it out there that I was going to give away this course on beta for free. Um, so I put, I wrote out to this list and I said, look guys, if you want this course for free, I'm putting it together. Um, just put an application in. I, I wanted to pick people who I thought could really excel in the course because I just wanted great testimonials. And um, I think, yeah, 34 people applied out of that, if I recall, because it was 2010 then. Um, yeah, about 34 people applied and I gave away seven places and then I just sent an email out to the rest of the people saying, look, if you want to join, it's $1,000. And people joined. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I didn't have any expectation of it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, so for me, that was, that was a huge thing. And, and now I'm, now I have obviously that course, but it's evolved a lot over the years. And I have several other courses now as well to go around this concept of, of one sourcing. Um, so I have like a, a small course for like freelancers just to kind of start up and, and do something, you know, like where do I begin type thing. I just want to dabble in this, um, going through like my entire business model, which is made up of five different courses. Um, and then I do sort of consulting and mentorship as well and coaching. So, so you built connections with your customers. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about how you built those connections? You, you showed them that you cared and you provided value. You've talked about both of those things. How did you show them you care and how did you provide them value? What, what secrets and tips do you have for other entrepreneurs who are focused on, on building these these connections with their customers? Mm. Well, I would say definitely always try and over deliver um, sort of in, in a sense where always do what you say you're going to do and then do a little bit more. So you've got to be really careful about what you put on sales pages, about what you, what you say you're going to do for people um, and always try and do a little bit more than that in terms of, you know, customer support. If I say to people, we get back to you within 24 hours, we get back to them within 24 hours. It's, it's really, really important from the get-go that your courses, your programs, anything that you offer is, is not totally hyped up, that it's honest, um, that people are actually going to get what they pay for, what they see, what they're, they're looking to buy. Um, and then obviously, again, do what you say you're going to do, but also be there for people, give people avenues to you, whether that be a Facebook group. And it doesn't necessarily have to be to you as an individual, but it has to be to something that you're responsible for, whether that be somebody on your customer support team, whether that be a personal assistant, whether that be a community manager in a Facebook group, something like that. Someone where they can know that they can go and talk to somebody and get a response. And that will maybe eventually work its way back to you if they can't initially help. So I think that's a big thing about it is always deliver what you say you are, maybe go a little bit more than that. And also I love to give like generally I think with our customer support we kind of throw extra things in that are unexpected so always do things that are unexpected for people um like for example if someone's making inquiry they're a member of the programs and they say I'm really struggling with this you know if I have a product that's you know 47 pound and I really think that that product will help that person I'm going to give them that product and say look go through this you know and in the end, you can say, I mean, I can say to people, go through this, it's 47 pounds. 
if you feel it really helped you and you feel like you want to pay for it, go for it. If not, don't worry. It's, it's yours. <laughs> um, and I, and, and the amount of people that do end up paying for it is, is quite good really. <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's just making sure that people just feel very taken care of. And, and that really does involve relationship building and listening, a lot of listening. I love it. How do you use social media? Do you currently use social media a lot in your business? I do. Um, I was always there at the very beginning of all the social medias, really, because uh, like Facebook was first launched when I first launched my business, but I didn't know about it until a couple of years in. It took that that while to to get through. I was there, one of the first people on Twitter. Um, and I have like something crazy, like over 50,000 followers now. So, so yeah, I mean, social media is very close to my heart because it was whenever new social media came out and I would look and I would think, Oh my God, this is going to change my business. This is going to make things so much easier for me. I can connect to more people. I can get my words out there a little bit faster. You know, I don't have to put all this effort and work in. So I kind of have a love hate relationship with social media as well. I do use it a lot. I do publish a lot of things. I use it for community and things like that, but it's kind of really um, put a dampener on it for me in terms of personal use. I try and stay away from it as much as possible when I'm not working. Um, but you're yeah, a it's it, of social media, not a consumer of social media. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely one of those. Um, yeah. So for me, it's been amazing and it's one of the primary ways that I market my business now in fact if, if not the only way really that i market my business and and spread the word about it and use it as a tool to connect with more people for people who are going to take your advice and start doing daily youtube videos what advice do you have for them what are some of your tips and secrets that would help them be most successful well, I would say, first of all, think about your topics and think about what you want to work with and don't plan it out too much. You know, if you, if you think that you have to sit there and start scripting things, just don't because then you'll come across fake and false. And also don't think to yourself, oh my God, millions of people are going to see this as well. The way, the way I used to do it, and I was so camera shy, but I just knew it had to be done. I was like, Michelle, you have to do this. So just get over yourself. <laughs> Um, so the way I did it is I, I started off by like drafting out some topics and, and just generally bullet pointing things that I wanted to talk about within that topic. I never scripted anything out. I just let it flow. And that's the trick about YouTube is that you've got to know what you're talking about. Otherwise it can come across as a little bit fake and a little bit false. So be really consciously clear about what you're talking about not every word you want to say, but just the topic in general. So you could literally feel like a, a, a friend has sat down with you at lunch and asked you a question and you're just looking into the camera, pretending that the camera is that friend and you're just answering the question. And I would say start off with that. So I would just basically think of a bunch of questions or look at, back at the questions that people had asked me on emails and things like that. And I would just sit there and talk on a video as if the, a friend had asked me that question and I was sat there in front of him explaining it to them. Um, and I would say that was probably my best strategy. And how long are your videos normally? Do you have an idea? They varied. I can talk for Britain um, on some of them. <laughs> like I'm thinking to myself at the end, God, I've been sat here for half an hour. Um, it depends. I mean, I can talk for a few minutes or I can talk for half an hour. And I think it really, 
for me, it's not about how long a video should be, but whether you're just to the point and saying everything that should be said about that topic. I don't like too much fluff, but I also don't like leaving out too many details. So for me, it was just whatever came naturally at the time. For sure, I know, I know from marketing and marketing strategy and things like that, that the shorter videos, the lot more punchy, um, do probably get the most followers and subscribers because people like to get takeaways very quickly. Everyone's lives are very busy. Um, and if they can get like a really great tip from you that they can go away and implement, they can do it in less than two minutes. And that's really interesting to people, particularly in my area. I don't know about other areas. Um, but in, in terms of how long it should be, I think it really depends on the topic and what you're talking about. But short and snappy tends to be best as long as you give someone at least one really good takeaway that they can go away and implement or think about. I am super grateful for the time and the wisdom that you have shared with us. This is going to help a lot of people. Um, very grateful for you. If the watchers and listeners of the show um, have enjoyed uh, what you've said and want to learn more from you, maybe you're interested in using your services, what's the best way that they can contact you? Um, they can go check out my website, which is www.virtualmissfriday.com, or you can drop an email in anytime to support at virtualmissfriday.com, and somebody, either myself or someone on my team, will get back to you quick. Sounds great. Was there anything else that I should, was there another question I should have asked that I didn't ask? Something else. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we touched on it, but I, I think the biggest thing for anyone, if, if you really, really want to succeed, is to really get very clear on why you must succeed and, and build everything from there. And just to know that there, there is no such failure. Such thing as failure unless you actually give up. So keep going. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing your inspiring story. If you enjoy this interview and want to learn more about Michelle or connect with her, you can find her on LinkedIn and there's a link in the blog. Or you can visit her website at virtualmissfriday.com. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, it is possible to balance work and traveling by growing and monetizing a digital business. Number two, be clear with why you must succeed and then build everything from there. Understand that there is no such thing as failure. Number three, don't give your courses away for free. Create value through products. Number four, always over deliver for customers. Do what you say you're going to do and then do a little bit more. Number five, be honest with customers and make sure they get what they paid for. Number six, always be available to customers in some way, whether that be through customer support, a Facebook group, a personal assistant, etc. Make sure that they always have a way to receive your help. Number seven, when doing YouTube videos, become an expert on the topics you talk about. Don't plan things out too much, but come up with a list of bullet points and let things flow. Imagine talking to a friend and having a conversation with them. The length of each video depends on the topic. Don't add fluff, but provide enough detail. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. First, get a free monetization assessment of your business or subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, please subscribe to the Monetization Nation YouTube channel or podcast. 
And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. Would you ever want to be a digital nomad traveling the world while making a great living? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.